Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. Back for another episode after a phenomenal pay-per-view card. The two people with me today, Danny and Kobe, were actually in attendance in the arena. So if you're a new listener, met the crew, got a card, got some merch, whatever it is, we're happy to have you here. Boys, any words about what you witnessed last weekend? Phenomenal card. The atmosphere is just amazing. Uh, super excited for Chucky Olives and for the new reign of the lightweight champ. Just so excited to be back in like a full house. It felt fucking normal. It was great. That's all I've ever asked for. I, I missed that, but we're getting there and that's all that really matters. I saw not to jump ahead to news and notes, but Bellator actually is going to have their first live event with fans. So Bellator comes to Chicago. Maybe we hit the all state arena. That doesn't help you guys actually. Moving forward, we're getting into this week's card or this last week's card, card they were at, with a couple of, you know, a little t- conversation topics. Here's the first one, and this one's my go-to favorite, but I'm very curious. Pink slip sessions, baby. Who's getting the pink slipped after this week's card? I have a couple ones and one that I think might be a surprise. Not a surprise, but one that I think – you're not going to have seen coming, which is a surprise. <laughs> Nothing like starting the pod with some pink slips, but. Well, I, I always really just these pink slips because it happens so often and so fast. So I really wonder, like, there's only, there really, there might not even be any, I don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know about okay. you guys. This? I don't know if this qualifies as a pink slip, but are we going to see Jack Ray again? No, that would qualify as a pink slip. That, that's the one for me. I don't know if he's that got my, a recovery my... timetable that's gonna bode him getting another contract so that was my surprise was this the last fight on his contract i don't know for sure yeah but it's got to be near the end i mean the guy actually that was actually the one that i thought might be a little bit of a surprise mainly just because of the name recognition but for a guy like chakra to snap his arm in half which you guys didn't hear because you were there but it sounded like someone jumped on a stick but he's coming in on a four. That was his fourth loss in a row. Kevin Holland knockout first round. Jan Blahovich split decision, which obviously aged phenomenally. Jack Hermanson unanimous decision, but he got mauled there. Then he beat a Chris Weidman, which I don't want to get Danny started, so I'm brushing over fast. And then he lost to uh, Kevin Gast- Calvin Gastelum. And now uh, Andre Mooney's with a snapped arm. So I actually think that Jock, we've seen the last of Jock Ray Sosa. That was my pink slip. Whether you classify it a pink slip, like Kobe said, that's up for debate. Another one that I wanted to see what you guys thought was Jamie Pickett. I was gonna say, what kind of leash do contender series guys get? More than the more than most, more than most, but horrible performance by Jamie Pickett against Jordan Wright, and he's zero two in the UFC since. So he lost on contender series, wins on contender series, gets a contract. Loss, loss. So from Dana White in the crowd, he's one and three. Do we see Jamie Pickett again? I don't know if we do, and I think it's justified. I, I said it at the event. If you were in my section, you probably heard this. Um, but it reminded me a lot of that Ryan Span Johnny Walker knockout where those elbows just kind of crushed him, and, and he's, he's kept his head there on, on his hip for just way too long um, and, and just had seemingly no awareness of that position. Yeah, and it, you really can't have that. But the only thing that keeps me wondering is middleweights are top-heavy. Middleweights get thin. So maybe just to have on the roster as a body. Here's another one. Kevin Aguilar, a guy that we've talked about a bunch as – I think Danny was saying that you were you thought he could have been more of a COVID fighter type of guy. He was on the uh, – he fought on the Ultimate Fighter 28 finale. Here's the thing about him, though. Listen to this. So, ultimate fighter finale gets a W. Beats Enrique Barzola, which is actually a pretty good win. Unanimous decision. Danny Gay L. Uh, Tukagov. 
Al, first round KO. Charles Rosa, Al, split decision loss. Tucker Lutz, Al, loss. So four straight in a row, I think we've seen the last of him as well. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, he was a guy I, I mentioned it on last week that I was just excited about because he was going to be a hometown guy fighting out of Texas. And he did get a little bit of a bump from the crowd who was super excited. I mean, the energy was awesome for the first round or the for the first fight. And that was a finish. Obviously, Christos Yagos ended up getting the bonus. And then the energy just rolled right into this one. And so the second they said Texas, the room went nuts. Love it. And you love to see that. You, I mean, right. like, it, you love to see that. So now, so with that being the pink slips and also just to end the pink slip conversation, Tony Ferguson, it sounds impossible to give a guy like that a pink slip because he went on an 11 fight ripper before a three fight losing streak. But in the post fight presser, for those who watch Dana got asked the question, are you going to step in kind of like a BJ Penn type situation or some of the older guys and say, I mean, Tony Ferguson's 37 and say, Hey, Tony, for your health, I think, I think we've seen the last of Tony. Or do you think Dana's going to let him just because of how – I mean, you heard the crowd. You guys were there. People wanted Tony more than anything. It seemed, it seemed like Tony was the hometown guy. I mean – It does. It, he, dude, he, put, he puts butts in seats. He's an entertaining guy, but he got mauled by Benny, got mauled by Oliveira, got mauled by Gaethje. I mean – I, I, want, I honestly want your guys' opinion. Do you think Tony Ferguson is done in the UFC? I think the only ranked guy that he has a shot over at this point is Tiago Moises. Mm. That includes Kevin Lee. That includes CDF. You're telling me... Hmm. What about, like, Damian Maya? That'd be... I mean, they'd have oh, to well, meet it at 170, right? Yeah, you're, you're that'd thinking be doable. catch weight. That'd be doable. I mean, Tony's fought at 170 before. God, you're. I mean, lightweights are just so stacked from top to bottom. Lightweights are crazy. What about Dober? Think I think Dober disposes him. Yeah, I think so too. Which is which? Honestly, let's put this in perspective. What we're discussing here. Three fight like a year ago, we'd be like, "This is the most ridiculous conversation ever." crazy how fast this this is unlike any other sport in that regard where it it shit comes quick okay next point of discussion that i'd like to talk about or not talk about but um shane burgos edson barbosa so i asked you two to pull up the rankings beforehand first question edson barbosa for those who are watching got a, a the one of the weirdest knockouts i've ever seen and who does Edson get next? And I guess who does Burgos get next? But it's less about that and more about what happened to Burgos. Has anyone heard? Delayed knockout. I, I was listening to some Twitter doctor talk about it, and it was, it was like a will to stay on his feet while his brain was processing the fact that he got knocked out. And he, like, that, I mean, that's basically the description of it. Which, which I've seen – thousands of knockouts and that is the first time i have ever seen a delayed knockout like that ever it was wild it was crazy i mean would you you have any other ideas or is that just kind of what you know the body reaction i'm wondering or i was worried from watching that i was like i think i just watched a man die that's what i thought i think i watched a man's brain shut off i mean i'm sure we're not going to see him for a while i bet he's gonna have quite the medical suspension but um with that being said Less about Burgos. I mean, he moved down to 13, four spots, but more about Edson. Uh, Edson was saying he wants a top five guy. I don't know about top five, but I I would pay a lot of money to see is an Edson Barbosa Giga Chikadze fight. Mm. Follow up question Who do you got there? I don't know. That's a. I think the line's going to be in Edson's favor. You think so? And I think one, I don't know. I think I would take the dog, whoever it was there. Hmm. What about what about uh, um, Sadiq Yusuf? That's another good one. That's a great one. That's, I think, yeah, that's I think Barbosa takes that one just from um, a Sadiq defense standpoint. I think Barbosa would land some pretty devastating 
strikes, but that would be another banger. Featherweight is another one of those stacked up yeah. top and to a bottom. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys throw. I mean, just from boxing alone, these guys absolutely throw hammers. And then if you want to get into the top five conversation, it, it's Cater, it, it's TKZ, it's Yair Rodriguez, it's Zabit Magomed Sharipov. It's killers up there. It really is. I mean, those two divisions are insane. Bantamweights, too, honestly, have gotten so insane. Um, Another question. I enjoyed this one from last week. It was great. Do you guys know the post-fight bonuses yet? I think I do. It's uh, Edson, Yagos, and then Oliveira, and Benny? So... who fought uh, Edson Burgos? Oh, Burgos got it for uh, was that fight, fight of the night. night? Yeah. So then, so then, fight of the night, and then performance of the nights were who? Were Giagos and Oliveira? Giagos yeah. and Oliveira. Hmm. Okay. Do you guys agree with that or disagree? I love I them. I disagree on one. I think. I think I make. Oliveira Chandler, no. Oliveira gets performance of the night. I think I don't do a fight of the night. I think I don't do a fight of the night. I agree. And I do Oliveira bonus, Andre Mooney's bonus, Jordan Wright bonus, and uh, Gallegos bonus. We get we went back to the hotel after the fights, and we were in the lobby with Gallegos' crew, who was sitting behind us at the uh, during his fight. And he was so hyped coming to the hotel, screaming about 75 G's, baby. Let's fucking go. It was so sick. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Especially for a guy that's the curtain jerker. I mean, his total purse was probably like 15. So he just. It was awesome. His his entire crew was absolutely lit. Yeah. So the other question that I had, and this one's a little interesting, and and then we can move on. Two things. One, and we'll, we'll do one by one. First one is, if you guys were creating a headline for this fight card, I mean, you're like, you're, you, you watched the whole thing, you were there. If you had to sum it up in a headline, what do you think you'd, what, what do you think you'd put it as? I know what mine is. So I'll give you guys an example. But it would be, it would have something to do with the finishes. I mean, we. I, have, think, I think if you're gonna ask me to sum it up in a headline, I'm gonna go poha. There were seven <laughs> Brazilians. Five of them won. I mean, of the two that lost, one of them lost to another Brazilian. So we, 13, 13 fights, seven finishes. Poha is a good one. Poha. It's actually such a good headline. <laughs> All right, Danny takes. We got the coronation of of. Chucky Olives, the new face of Brazilian MMA. Forget Figgy. We've got Chucky Olives here. I can't believe it. Um, that's a good headline. That's a good question. That's as good a headline as any. The other hey, thing. Question, Reese, good answer, Dan. Yeah. The other thing. What was there something from this card, top to bottom, that really shocked you? Something that you came in did not expect, and it happened. Something that. That going in, if I would have said this is what happened, you'd have been like, fuck no, you're lying. My, I guess I, yeah, what, you go uh, ahead. You go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think mine would be around Ant- Ant- Antina Shevchenko. Antina Shevchenko. I think Andre Lee exposed Shevchenko's ground game. She looked like a fish out of water. And I kind of think that if you would have told me that it would have been a domination and a sub by Lee, I, I don't totally know if I would have believed you. I really don't. I, I think that I, I think Shevchenko has been exposed. And I think that for those listening right now, I think that based on her last name, you still have opportunities to get some value against some opponents going forward. People who have good grappling ability. I'm going to go with my surprise of the week is that we got a knockout in uh, the women's flyweight division. Priscilla Cachoeira, 
I'm not surprised that the woman's dog won because, as I say every week, these women's fights are 50-50. Take the plus money for, for your 50-50 odds. But I am surprised that it was a standing TKO. Yeah, Mizani absolutely got lit up. She did not know where she was by the middle of the round. Especially because that was one of my confident plays. I rode that one. Danny warned me off it. He said 215 is too high. I believe I even flicked him off and continued on anyways. And I am poor because of it. So good call on that, Danny. I don't have a surprise, and we kind of already touched on it, but – Danny, Danny brought this up too, so I don't want to steal his thunder. This is this is partially his point. <laughs> Who are we going to dump all our money on the on whoever Jordan Wright fights next? I know that Reese, <laughs> he had a good performance, and Reese is ready to give him a performance bonus. But man, he just hasn't really proven himself. And I also think it's less about a Jordan Wright and more about like Jamie Pickett needs to go. <laughs> like, right. Much less. I mean, and, and it was the same with the Ike Villanueva one. It's it's like he keeps getting these wins that are. Like, congrats for doing it, but you did it against the tomato can. Yep. Literally. It's. I mean, those are, those are his two UFC wins. He's also lost to Buckley in, in that knockout. That was like a gruesome knockout. Yeah. yeah he got fucking lit up. And even his most recent LFA win, Gabriel Checo is, is a jujitsu practitioner, is a guy that has no business striking. Um, the other thing, too, really quickly, uh, Danny Grundy let us down. I was on Grundy. I believe you also had a unit or two on. Grundy. I was definitely on Grundy. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that he let us down. I think. I think chalk this one up to those Houston judges. You think so? Thirty twenty sevens each way. I scored I, it for Vanetta, but I was. I I also was like, yeah, you could score it up to the judges. I that, thought the three rounds were were close. I thought that Grundy edged him out in all three. He was, yeah. That was a tough one. Vanetta's a good vet. The 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 one that I thought the Houston judges fucked up one was uh Arujo against Ukakian. I had yeah, definitely. no I idea wouldn't, how they no I wouldn't idea. I I'm I was very confused by the scorecards, but I do think that Ukagian won that fight. Oh, I thought Arujo won, but the scorecards shook me. 30-27? Are you crazy? Regardless, that was the oh. only woman's fight on the card where the favorite won. So keep backing these these Dog dogs. I guess since Houston judging is the topic, main event, first round, two of the three judges had a 10-8 for Michael Chandler. How? I mean, the only thing I can think of is it was a close finish. I mean, if if he if he had a little bit more output, maybe backpacked. I mean, he was backpack and he grappled out of it to to his defense and then almost got the finish. You're telling me you're gonna get a 10-8 when you're like I'm telling you that he was four or five strikes away from being coronated as the lightweight champion that Charles Oliveira is right now. And that's a 10, eight on a lot of people's scorecards. Okay. I expected a reaction like mine where you guys are just like, I have no fucking clue, but I respect that answer. I wouldn't have gone 10, eight, but I can see it. It was a, it was a close fall. And that's, that's in the like letter of the, whatever the descriptions are that I think big John McCarthy wrote the book on judging. Um, Close falls are 10 eights. Even in, but I, I don't know. That's tough, especially being backpacked. But that's the problem with this sport is it's so much discrepancy on what one person sees versus the other. So I think that pretty much recaps the card. All in all, I'm I sure you two were jazzed to be in attendance. Uh, main headlines were just really Oliveira, Poha. <laughs> Tony Ferguson got mauled. Shane Burgos had a weird KO. Sad uh, to see the alligator Ray. leave in that way. Yeah. Drock Ray Sosa is probably going to get pink slipped with a s- snapped arm to send him off on a parting gift. And Jordan Wright is currently on fade central for the ankle pick pot. That carries us into news and notes. Gentlemen, any big headlines that caught your eyes this week? Dan, you got anything to kick off or should I rattle off a few? Go ahead, Kobe. Uh, so we've got Bilal Muhammad this week making his debut behind the desk. And I believe that he's, in, he's not on the call of the fights this week, but he's going to be kind of in that Chiesa role uh, as kind of an analyst on ESPN leading up to and during the fight. So we'll, we'll look forward to that this week. So I take it his eye is fully healed from that Leon gouge. <laughs> 
I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We're gonna, he's going to be on camera. So He shows up with an eye patch. I will, I will laugh my ass off. That's another wild thing how that happened. And now the fight's just not being rebooked. I mean, I know we all saw enough, but that I don't know if I've ever really seen that before, where it's like a fight happens, the guy who commits the foul moves into higher ranking, and the fight just doesn't happen again. Did Jeremy Stevens, Yair Rodriguez get rebooked? I think it did. It definitely did, actually. I'm so what are the chances of this uh, delayed now, what is it, Leon versus Nate Diaz fight? What are the chances that just ends up getting canceled again and never rebooked? Dude, is Leon just going to get a title shot from a bunch of delayed and fouls? Like, literally. I mean, if he waits long enough, he's – I don't know. I, I, I think mean, that Kamaru's cleared everyone else out of this division. That's what I'm saying. I would like to see Kamaru Colby again. I, I actually think Colby can, can – I mean, he was up on the cards. I think Kamaru is a better fighter now than he was then. But I agree with you. I had a lot of fun watching that, so I wouldn't mind. I think that one needs to be back. back. Yeah. Um, Next uh, up. Oh, go ahead. We got uh, DC talking this week. He confirmed that Islam Makhachev had been offered to both RDA and Felder, who each turned him down, just kind of making a point to how difficult it is for Islam to even get a fight right now. No one wants to touch him. And nor would you. Just looking at the rankings, um, Islam's 10, Felder 9, RDA 7. And so once you you talk about top five of lightweight, you're talking about those big money fights that are just tough to even get booked. I mean, Poirier, McGregor, Chandler, Oliveira, um, Gaethje. I I mean, and then six is Tony, who we know is not fighting anytime soon. I don't think he's going to be walking anytime soon. Um, I I don't know what – what do you even do for Islam? Do you just – oh, I mean, I'm thinking out loud here. But as a fan of grappling, I'd love to see him and Gregor go at it. They're 10 and 11 right now. I know, but Islam. It doesn't help Islam at all. He wouldn't Islam. do it. Ali Abdelaziz will never let him do it. But Islam wins that, though, dude. I agree. What about. What about Chandler? think Chandler takes that? Chandler would be great. I would love to see that. Chandler's been talking mad smack that could be like would be a bad matchup for that he would be a bad matchup for Khabib and this is one way to prove your point you stomp his dude I know but how do you go how do you go from fighting for the title to fighting the 10th ranked lightweight I mean how do you fight in the lightweight division of the UFC and that whole middle section of uh, I mean I, I don't see why guys like Felder and I mean, RDA has fought pretty recently, but Felder took that short notice fight um, and, and kind of is retired. He, he's fully said, like, I'm not even looking for a fight. And, and as, as it shows by this news and nose point, he's turning everyone down. Who's, who's retired? I think but Paul Felder's essentially oh, yeah, retired. I don't think we're going to yeah, see him a lot yeah, or again, not, not a lot. I'm a little shocked RDA turned it down, but it, I mean, I guess – I mean, no one wants to see Tony fight that. Tony would accept it because he's a savage, but, like, Benel Dariush wouldn't accept it. Michael Chandler's the best-looking look- one. Dan Hooker, but he wouldn't accept that either. Wow, I did just realize Benny moved up six spots. Yeah, he did. He did. Whoa. I know. He thinks Next he can news and notes. We have – Title shot. I saw that news and notes. He thinks he can get a title shot. Benny does. Ben, he thinks he's getting a title shot next? He thinks that he can maybe get a title shot in before Poirier, uh, Connor. The yeah. rankings have him above Chandler, above Connor, above oh. Hooker. Well, you wouldn't do Connor, or I mean, you wouldn't do Chandler again. I mean, so I think Islam eight, smashes Ben. If you're doing a lightweight title bout, it's either Gaethje or uh, Chandler. Or, or not Chandler. It's either Gaethje or Darius. Or winner of Dustin Connor. Connor. I'm saying without Dustin Connor in the picture because Dustin Connor's booked. They're doing their thing. I almost count that as just separate. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to get. But it's two pay per views away. There's like Chandler can't uh, turn around like for 265. Or Oliveira, you're right. Or not Oliveira, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, One of my news and notes that I think is discussion worthy is Brett Johns came out and said the main reason why he left the UFC was because of pay. 
He got paid more in Bellator. He's like, I'm done with the UFC. I think that that's the only way to really fix the fighter pay situation in the UFC because they pay. I, I think that out of all professional sports and the amount of money the UFC brings in, I, I am on the on team fighter. I think that they should be getting paid more money. They get drastically underpaid. And I think the only way is for these uh, other organizations to poach these guys. No, and, and, and Bellator has really been doing a, a great job of it as of late. I know we talk about guys like Usman Nurmagomedov, guys like Magomed Magomedov, and, yeah. and Brett Johns is, is among those. It's Yeah, Brett Johns is great. high-quality like, prospects that they're signing. The thing that bothers me, though, about like the LFA, PFL, and Bellator and one signings is I feel like they get the guys that are just over the hump that the UFC are kind of like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like the Yoel Romero's who got cut beforehand or the, um, that whole heavyweight Grand Prix is just ex UFC guys who, who are made of dust at this point. Right. I mean, it, it, usually they do, but that's why these, these signings like the 23 year old Nurmagomedov are big deals. No, that's they're, crazy. Yeah. Huge. And at the end of the day, it's a business and yeah, these guys are competitors and they obviously want to fight the best of the best. I don't think a lot of guys want the Ben Askren type storyline where you win in all these other promotions and you waste your prime there. And then people are like, Oh, well, you're garbage. You go to the UFC when you're 35 or 36 and you can't hold up. You know what I mean? I, I don't think a lot of people want that type of trajectory, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to fight for, like we said, Gaigos, if you're going to fight for 15 K on the undercard of the pay-per-view for the curtain jerker, or you can go fight in another promotion for maybe like 25. I mean, that's a 50% pay raise. You got to do that. So I for think sure. it's easy. They're going to have to fix it themselves or hopefully these promotions just continue to just poach person by person. I mean, I obviously want the UFC to be the creme de la creme. I just, this fighter pay man is actually a serious problem. Last two pieces of news and notes. And these are quick ones. We got Sandhagen Dillashaw, which was, I think that was supposed to be this week, but obviously pushed back due to COVID in I think it was Dillashaw's camp. It might've been Dillashaw himself. Anyways, we got a tentative date, July 24th for that. That'll be a fight night headliner. And then the last piece is Tatiana Suarez cleared to return to UFC, looking to get her booked sometime August or September. I think one of my predictions, one of my long running predictions has been that Tatiana Suarez will hold gold at one point. I really do believe that. Um, one last small news and notes. We've talked about it before, but I just get so gassed up the closer it gets. June 1st, Ultimate Fighter Season 29. I, I saw a bunch of articles coming out about, like, meeting the fighters and shit like that. Um, but I, I, I'm I, geared up for it. I'm geared up for it. I'm watching old seasons nonstop. And look at that. If this was a song, there would be the feature. Parker Rios just joined the podcast for the MCC in this week's card. How we doing? Lovely. All right. Let's get into this week's card. This week, we have Bob Font, Rob Font, versus Cody Garbrandt, Fight Night. Uh, This one's early. The prelim card starts at 3 p.m., on the 22nd and the main card starts at six. So you'll have an early bedtime this Saturday. Kobe will be blacked out, but for the rest of us, we'll be in good shape. So start it off for the, this is also a long card. Uh, I know Dana likes to make them long to try to just in case, gosh forbid anything happens, but first card, uh, the, the curtain jerker lightweight bout Rafael Alves versus Demir Ismagulov. Uh, and not surprisingly here, Isma Gulov minus 550, Rafael, Rafael Alves plus 425. Uh, when I was taping this week, I was trying to guess this line, and I was very close to that. I think I had Isma Gulov minus like 490 in my guess line. Danny, I know you're high on Isma Gulov. Yeah. Uh, prospect curtain jerker, what's Reason not to love. Uh, Isma Gulov minus 550 is just too steep of a price he's he's super well-rounded he's got the reach advantage plus you consider alves is, is moving up a weight class after he was the guy that missed featherweight by like 11.5 pounds like yeah. some kind of record yeah, yeah, yeah. not um, a record, but yeah but yeah is potential parlay piece 
550 too rich for my blood. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I actually think that Alves maybe, maybe could be an underdog play. And I know Danny's going to disagree beyond belief, reasonably so. But I did not like the Joe Alvarez fight. I did not like how Joe Alvarez took him to a decision. I know people are like, oh, the Spaniard is good off his back, whatever, whatever. I think Joe Alvarez is decent at best. And I think that that was tough to take him to a decision. But again, it is flyweights. But 550 is a steep line. I don't want to treat it like women's MMA, but whew, I mean, it's untouchable at 550. I don't know if it even helps your parlays enough to consider it, but I don't see, I don't, it's, it's gotta be sprinkle on the dog or get cute with it. I think Danny's right there with me. Yep. Um, next fight up the card. We have a lightweight bout between Yancey Medeiros. Who we haven't seen in a long time. And are we doing it for Par- Parker? Step in here. Who's fighting Yancey Medeiros? Demir. Don Anagat. Hodzovic. Danny? It's... Um, I forgot Demir right. Yeah, it's it's Demir Hodzovic. Hodzovic. De- Pretty spot on, Parker. Parker got it. Not, I know he's a Bosnian, which I which are which are crazy people. All right, lightweight bout. Yancey Medeiros versus Demir Hodzovic. And the line on that is Yancey Medeiros is actually the dog at plus 110 and Demir minus 130. Very little line movement uh, throughout this, throughout that one. I think it opened at 125. Yeah, for me, both these guys coming off losing streaks. Yancey's obviously to a much better strength of schedule, but I don't really know how much weight I want to put in that. He Yancey is back training with Holloway uh, out in Hawaii, but he really hasn't looked good since 2017. Um and even I, still, he had holes, you know? Right, always. I think Hodzovic probably is better than him everywhere, but neither of these guys is easy to back. Um, this is probably a pass for me. Literally, you took every word out of my mouth. I agree. It's a pass for me. I don't trust either of them. I, From what I taped, I have Demir. Not only is the bigger, stronger fighter, but I do have him slightly more technically sound. I know Yancey Medeiros is a gamer, though, but come, I think combined – these guys are on like a six fight skid. So I, I think you'd, it'd be tough, hard pressed to put your hard earned money on either of these guys. Um, but yeah, the most recent bout for Demir was a, a rear naked choke first round, 44 second finish by uh, Moicano who has fucked me as far as backing goes. So, you know, I never want to ride that next fight up the card <laughs> Parker. I know you're already geared up ready to go. It's a featherweight bout uh, between Joshua Kulibau Kuli- and who? I just want to say sorry for fucking up this name here, but Shaylin Nur Dan Bike. Honestly, that's kind of right. So for those listeners who are trying to figure out what name we're talking about, everywhere he's posted as Yilin Shah or Shah Yilin. But when you click on it on Tabology, Tabology, his full name comes out, and it's it's not easy. Here, here's my here's my go at it with my one semester of Chinese. So, Shailan <laughs> is the first part. Shailan and Nur Dan Biaku. Biaku. Yeah. I, Did okay. you just like listen to a recording over and over, and then just like? That uh, I, yes, but I also have the you know the dialect down for my semester of Chinese. Yeah. Ask me to count to ten. No. Ask me where the bathroom is. Let's let's move on before we get bogged down in Chinese lecture. So Josh Kulibau is minus two fifty five, and the Wolverine, which is his nickname, is plus two fifteen. As far as line movement goes, it's come down a little bit. It opened even higher for Kulibau, but not a whole bunch. I don't have a ton of notes on this one here. Um, Wolverine is a natural lightweight, cutting down to 145. A teammate of Yan Jiao Nan coming up later. Um, he's a good wrestler, but not very good on the feet. Leaves a little to be desired there. Kubao is going to get into the win column here. I think it'll be his first UFC win, um, but the price is too high for my blood. This is a pass. Uh, I was going to say the same thing. So I don't have any notes on the Wolverine. And as far as Koulibau goes, the split decision versus Charles Jordan 
was due to a uh, it was a split decision draw, and I believe Jordan got a 10-8 round, and Koulibaly, I, mean, I don't totally remember now, but I mean between Jordan and Jalen Turner, there's no way that the Wolverines a, a better striker between those two. So I agree with you, Dan. I think that he'll be able to hit the mat if he wants to. And I, I, I just can't pay that price at 255. And it, it's especially with the unknown on the other side. I tried to find tape and it is hard to do. So I just am going in with the mystery. Yep. Uh, flyweight bout Bruno Silva versus Victor Rodriguez. And Bruno Silva's minus 345. Victor Rodriguez plus 285. Yeah, this is another weird line. Um... Bruno is coming off a quick turnaround. He just got a win in March over JP Buys, who was a guy I didn't think was very good. Um, he does fight out of a good camp, fight ready MMA in Arizona with like Cejudo, a bunch of great guys train out there. Um, he's super well-rounded, has decently heavy, heavy hands. I think he's going to be all over Victor Rodriguez here. I just don't know about that 345. Maybe it's a parlay piece, but this one won't see my card as a straight bet. So, Silva's fought a guy on this card uh, recently, David Dvorak. I'm pretty sure Dvorak fights in the on the main card. And the JP Buys win is his only win in the UFC after a, a no contest got turned over. Do you, Dan, do you know why that no t- contest got turned over? I cannot remember. Kali Taha? I don't know off the top of my head. 2019 schedule links up with could be you, uh, whatever that marijuana, um, yeah, bullshit, but yeah, where they lost to Dvorak. Um, but the, the JP buys win, he was a dog for that fight, actually. I remember us discussing and capping that, thinking that, or he opened it as dog, it was a close line, but yeah, I agree. Victor Rodriguez, a lot of people know, um, him from being on the losing end of a head kick KO to Adrian Yanez, who's a rising star in that division, but I, I'm with you, Dan, the price is impossible to pay. It's a dogger pass for me. And for me, it's a pass. I don't see how you can go around that. Yep. Next fight on the card. This one shocked me. If anyone listened to set the spread, I did not expect to see this name. We have a welterweight bout between tough veteran court McGee and Claudio Silva or Silva and Court McGee, a guy who has a sneaky victory over Robert Whitaker. Very sneaky. That was a 170 for Whitaker, but very sneaky. Court McGee opened at 155. It is now minus 115. Or not even opened since May 6th. At May 6th, it was 155. It's currently minus 115 uh, a couple days before the fight here. And then 105 for Claudio Silva or Silva. I don't want to do Silva. For me. I see this one as Silva with his, his game plan has kind of always been swing for the fences early throw everything he has. Um, and his cardio has suffered because of it. Best path of victory I see for him is a sub when everyone's dry. Cause court is just a tough motherfucker. Um, he's a tough motherfucker. That's lost five of his last six fights. Uh, he's tough. That's about it. Um, yeah. He should be fighting for his job here. So if you want like, to tune in for something crazy, this might be this. This is your wild card fight. Let's put it this um, way: next week's news segment, if Court loses, will have a pink slip <laughs> for sure. For sure, he's fighting for his job. Um, yeah, I, I don't have the best read here. Is a pass. So I actually am on Silva here at for right now. I think the submission game is very doable. These guys are both in their, I don't want to say advanced age, but we got 38 in Silva, 36 for Court. Court also took some years off his body uh, with some of his past choices. But Claudio Over Silva, under, how many times did they mention his uh, problems with addiction on the broadcast? Over uh, under two. It's always over. It's always over three. On his walkout, they do two at least. But he, for those who don't know, Court battled uh, heroin addiction. And he kicked it, got into the tough house, and here he is. So props to him. But I just want to go through something really quickly for Claudio Silva, which which kind of shocks me at this line is such. 2014 split decision win over Leon Edwards. He beat Norton Taleb by rear naked choke in the first round in 2018. B 
beat Danny Roberts by armbar in the third round, 2019. Beat Cole Williams via neck crank, first round, 2019. A lot of canceled bouts. Then lost to James Krause, a guy who obviously was not going to get stubbed, right? And I don't put Court McGee on a James Krause level of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I think that I do worry about the gassing issues, especially at 38. But if we're aware of it, he's aware of it. And he's fighting out of ATT, who has great coaches there. As Danny would say, AT&T. And I'm just thinking uh, – I'll never uh, live that one down, huh? No, probably not. I think uh, Silva, though, being – now that the line went from him being minus 185 to minus 105, I actually think I see value there. and It'll probably see my card. I mean, if it hits the mat, I will already cash the bat, in my opinion. But we'll see. Moving Could be up a good play. Card. What's up? Could be a good play. It could be a good I play. like where your head's at. We'll see. Thank you. Thank you. So Danny's about to go off, everyone. So grab your popcorn. If you're driving to work, this will keep you up. Heavyweight fight between Ben Rothwell and the super heavyweight Chris Barnett. Yeah, uh, Reese mentioned it. And, and I don't think I've hit it at all. We've uh, I think we broke down Rothwell's canceled matchup versus Philip Linz like two weeks ago. Oh. I'm a big fan of his the monster from Milwaukee. Um, but he's fighting an interesting character here in Chris Barnett. <laughs> if you, if you haven't really checked out Chris or you don't know anything about him, go to YouTube, um, search him up, get his highlights. You can skip that wrestling match versus Yoel. It's not too super exciting, but um, this is a guy who is five foot nine and has spent most of his career fighting at super heavyweight. That's the division above 165 for you listeners. Uh, it, it's a division that the UFC is, has never offered. I mean, besides like UFC, what, one through 15, where there was no weight classes. Um, but this guy is fighting a house of a person in Ben Rothwell at 5'9", with like a teenage boy-sized weight on his belly, carrying around in that pouch. Ben Rothwell is all of minus 340 for a reason. And I think it's a, an easy parlay piece. This fight is going to be hilarious. Let's, let's rock and roll. This will be funny. The only thing that I worry about, not so much with with the 340. I mean, I heavyweights, but 340 is always tough. But Chris Barnett actually has a good amount of kickboxing experience. And I don't know Ben Rothwell as the guy with the best head movement and stick and move. But I don't know if this guy can reach Ben Rothwell's head. I don't know either. I don't know either. I think Bar- I think Bar- uh, I think Rothwell could do whatever he wants to Barnett, and I, I don't see it being much of an issue. I agree with that uh, parlay piece, Dan. I like that there with Ben Rothwell. I mean, Rothwell has a seven-inch reach advantage or height advantage. You don't. It, the only time remember this? Do you ever see the Stefan Struve versus Mark Hunt fight? But <laughs> Stefan Struve is like un like Stefan Struve's height is an anomaly. It like doesn't help like. Ben Rothwell at 6'4 is an athletic build. It's not just like some tall, lanky motherfucker that's like no, 100%, high to reach. I couldn't agree more with you, especially with the guy making his UFC debut from usually fighting at super heavyweight. I think this will be an entertaining quick night for Ben Rothwell. And then to cap off the prelim card, this is a fight that I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about. It's a featherweight bout between Team Alpha Males, Ricardo Hamos, and Bill Algio. Bill Algio and the line on this one is very close to even with Bill Algio actually being the favorite at minus 120 Ricardo Hamos plus 100 other than that the hard way on set the spread this week yeah I'm a big Algio fan um as Reese alluded to he won me set the spread on Monday he won me money at a dog price for Spike Spike Argot Spike Carlisle yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he took his UFC debut on two days' notice versus Ricardo Lamas, which is one that you got to keep in mind when looking at his record. Uh, and he fought that fight very competitively, showing his obvious balls of steel. He's tough as nails. Not to mention jiu-jitsu black belt, decent kickboxing. Uh, the only thing that really worries me is he's a confident dude, and he tends to keep his hands near his hips um, when he's exiting exchanges. And, and, and that's a worrisome because he could get clipped. But – Against Ramos, who's a Team Alpha Male guy, I'll, I'll let Reese go into his rant about Team Alpha Male. Ramos is hittable. Yep. Ramos is not some kind of world, world-class grappler. Um, I think Algio 
have no problem there. I like Alagio, and I think that he, he's a favorite for a good reason. This will probably see my card. Yeah, Danny, I, I think Bill Alagio. So I had Hamos as a slight favorite. Lost, we set the spread this week. I had no idea that it was an inside job. Kobe gave me Hamos knowing that I hated him. Danny apparently has a love affair with Bill Algio and has learned a lot of jujitsu from this man's. But the thing about me with team alpha male, and I say it time and time again, is they just constantly underperform, constantly lose and do not make the right adjustments. I love Uriah Faber, but his gym is thinned out. He's got a big international presence because they don't know no better. But let me put it this way. I hate TJ Dillashaw, but when he went with Dwayne Ludwig as a snake in the grass, it was the best decision for his career he's ever made. With that being said, I always hop on the board of the fade team alpha male. If you do it every single night, I guarantee you'll be profitable. I swear we could, I'll have a whole, I'll have one of someone in our tech department mock up a graph to just show Team Alpha Male is 1 in 75 in the U.S. We'll get a third-party tracker set up that only Honestly. fades Team Alpha Male and takes women's dogs, and we'll just watch the green rack up. Yep, and then people could be like, these guys are geniuses. Why are they doing bi-weekly podcasts at midnight? <laughs> but with that being said, I'm in on the Bill Algio play. Danny and I will absolutely see our cards. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where I give it over to country club kobe for the mcc still no change to the overall standings reset a good week parker picked up some points but uh just a slight amount of points over danny and i so not a whole lot of change there reese is catching up to me a little bit and pulling away from parker a little bit so parker's got some catching up to do and i heard that we were going to do everything in reverse order today Don't know where we heard that rumor. You should have seen it up. You should have seen Reese's eyes dart around the room like there's some running it upstairs that need to be done. Yeah, no, I will. The more home cooking. I'm sick of leading off. No, I. You, it's literally NBA draft lotto. We got to go reverse order, or we got to help the. We got to help the. It's socialism. We got to help the scrubs out. So kicking it off, it goes DK CK PR RP. RPPR. Wait, I'm ahead of PR? Of course I am. Yep. The dirty Rajis. Okay, with that being said, do you want to do the lines or you want me to do the lines? You got them. All right, let's rip it. So start off the main card, it's a middleweight bout between Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian. Sound the horns, ladies and gentlemen. This is also the anchor lock of the week. Danny, Jack Hermanson. Minus 150, Edmund Trebazian, plus 130. We saw the same things here. We were discussing maybe Bill Algio. We ended up going to Manson for the reason that Derek Bronson laid out the plan in gold, how to beat 23-year-old Edmund Shabazian. And unless crazy, crazy dramatic changes have changed place from then till now, I think Jack Hermanson will be able to exploit it at ease. Very similar to what we saw with how Derek Bronson exploited Kevin Holland and then Marvin Vittori came right behind him and it did the exact same thing. I, I see it being no difference. I think that Jack Hermanson can win this fight as long as he doesn't gas. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly what you just said. This is Hermanson's to lose. Um, Brunson wrote the grappling game plan and Hermanson's a more dangerous grappler than Brunson is. Um, take him down, make him work, gas him out. He's getting it done for sure. MCC, I mean, this will see my card straight up. I, I love the line. I think, as I said, it's Hermanson's to lose. But MCC, getting a little bit cute because I am so confident in Jack. We're going Jack inside the distance, plus 140. I like that. Shout out to my fellow white belt, Jack the Joker, Hermanson. We had a little bit of distant, just misinformation, miscommunication somehow on the uh... – um Hermanson news this week it sounded like he said something to the to the sense that maybe the his COVID bout was going to catch up with him um but if I remember correctly this this fight's only been postponed a week I thought it was a COVID case in his camp so that's a little bit uh TBD information out there that uh we're still looking to clarify I'm not straying away from the ink from the ankle lock that is 15 and 9 and coming off a bye last week where these guys were smart enough not to jump on any ankle lock just to force it. Um, 
I'm not going to get cute. Minus 150, Hermanson. Hmm. I am going a weird route with this one. I love Jack Hermanson. I love Jack Hermanson. Uh, minus 150, obviously being an ankle lock. I'm taking a different approach here, though. And it has nothing to do with Edmund Shabazian and everything to do with, with how I think Jack Hermanson is going to approach this fight. And I'm actually going to take the over one and a half rounds, minus 135. I think Jack Hermanson is going to control this, lay on top of him. The only reason why I didn't want to do Jack Hermanson minus 150 is mainly because this has 15 cents off. And I didn't want to get cute with Hermanson by KO or sub because I could see him potentially finishing this either way. But I really think it'll go later into the rounds as Shabazi and Mike Gass. Uh, Hermanson's going to control this from top pressure. And I think the over is going to be an easy cash. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Hermanson wins by decision. Mm. What's the line on that, John? Plus 365. Okay. That's a great line, actually. It's a great line. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. I won't, I won't sugarcoat shit. That's a good pick. Um, moving up the car, we have a flyweight bout between David Dvorak and Julian Paiva. Julian Paiva. And the line on this one is Dvorak minus 140, Paiva plus 120. But it's gotten hammered down because it opened at Dvorak minus 205 and is all the way down to 140 right now. Julian Paiva was plus 165, currently sitting at plus 120. This is an interesting one. I had it completely wrong on the set the spread. It surprised me that Paiva wasn't the favorite. And upon taping it, I'm no longer as, as, as surprised. Halloween Paiva is sneaky, well-rounded. He starts fast. He likes to bang in the pocket. He does tend to keep his chin up in the air, which is a negative. But Dvorak is a good striker in his own right. He's got super fast hands. He's got great calf kicks, which I'm sure Reese noticed as well. Um, he's going to try to command the center of the octagon, which will be a fun to watch against a guy as ex explosive as Halloween. I'm going to go an interesting thing here. I'm going to go under two and a half plus 175 and hope for violence, hope for fireworks. That's wild at a flyweight bout. You're, uh... I just don't think either of these guys are going to take a step backwards. They're going to meet in the center, and the, the first one to get caught is going to be the first one to take a step back. It's not going to be any kind of – Still. I mean, I respect it, but flyweight under – you might as well start hammering women's unders. I'm on Dvorak straight up, minus 140. I got Dvorak on set the spread. I think that the line is very reasonable. I wish I could have gotten way more juice on this one. I'm really sad that I can only get the 120, but I'm going to take Julian Paiva plus 120. It's hard. It's really hard at the plus 120. I was hoping it would be higher. What do you think is the best path to victory is? Decision. Or easiest path, maybe. Decision and range striking. Interesting. Using his I kind of see Dvorak as the better point fighter. I almost capped that. So? I almost capped that Paiva's best route to victory is just a clean overhand. That's interesting because I. Does Paiva not have range on Dvorak here? So he he does have a couple of inches, but yeah. the way that Dvorak fought, um, who was his last fight? Not the Murphy fight. Um, he just fought uh, Espinosa, Bruno Silva. Either of those guys, Jordan Espinosa, or Bruno. I think it was the Silva fight. The way he fought Bruno Silva was just really really awesome, in, in just the way he mixed it up, used his calf kicks, just cut the octagon and he had fast hands surprised me i mm. thought that i was going to go going into taping i thought that his best route to victory was going to be a takedown and i wound up thinking he's going to stand there and strike and he's gonna be fine the other thing too is so although dvorak gives up three inches in height he only gives up an inch and a half of reach i thought paiva would have more reach than that i won't lie but i i, I still think paiva is a fine pick I just wish I could have gotten like the OG juice. I mean, that's an insane amount of juice at plus 160. Oh, for sure. I'm probably chasing Dvorak inside the distance plus 300. 
Ooh, that's a combination of the, the Chords brothers. I like that. Why you have faith in him in that I, over me, I don't understand, but I respect it. I think they're listed higher than you in the game. Not they keep not, track of points. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, because they're cooking the books behind the backs and no one tests it. Um, <laughs> women fly, w- women featherweight bout, Felicia Spencer versus Norma Dumont. This had all the talks <laughs> during set the spread about what the fuck is this line? Well, it's Felicia Spencer minus 175, Norma Dumont plus 155. I know Danny's going to go against his will of women's dogs, but uh, not to spoil the, the punchline. Go ahead, Dan. You took the words out of my mouth. I, I, I First note I have written down here is I know I always talk about women's underdogs, bet them whenever you can, went two for three last weekend, and controversial judging would have made it three for three. Um Felicia is, a, is massive for featherweight, though. She's super well-rounded. She likes to explode forward, press you into the cage, then onto the mat, and then maul you with ground and pound. She's extremely tough. She's one of the only women alive in the world that took Amanda Nunez, the GOAT, a full 25 minutes. and Pounded for those 25 minutes, footnote. Yeah, but tough enough to go 25 full minutes with the GOAT. Not a lot of women can say that. Um, I cannot see her being on her back for two rounds with her t- terrific wrestling, um, especially against a counter striker in Dumont, who's just not going to be able to find any rhythm. Her only chance for me is just move constantly, pepper her strikes. No way that this happens. Uh, just She doesn't have the cardio level. Plus, this is in the small cage, apex. This, I, I don't use this word often, but I'm going to bring out the hammer. Hammer Felicia Spencer, small cage. This is going to be an ugly fight. This is going to be, I, I mean, I, for the for the um, MCC, I'll just take Spencer minus 165 because I think that's overly generous. But this will see my card. This will be multiple units. 75. Oh, give me the 75 anyways. Fuck it, the 10 cents and he doesn't flinch. I love it. Well, this is pretty much going to contradict what DK just said, but I'm on – Dumont by decision plus 255. I'm going to stick with it. I like that. I'm going to go. Dumont's a Brazilian, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm. I wanted Spencer by submission, but against a Brazilian. I'll go uh, Spencer by decision plus 200. Three-round fight where the jelly bean woman can just lay on her. We'll see. Fuck it. I know it's going to be a loss, but we're going to go Spencer, TKO, plus 740. <laughs> might not be a loss, honestly. Based on what Danny's saying, it might not be a loss. Danny got Danny got me to, get to, to make the switch there. I was like, fuck it. Pico, I love that play. You know who's a really good player comp to Felicia Spencer? Who? Megan Anderson. Took her just three and a half minutes right cross round one to put Norma Dumont's lights out. Heavyweight bout? Oh, Lord. Justin Taffa versus Jared Vandere. Vandera. And the line is Taffa minus 175. Vandera plus 155. Yeah, heavyweight bangers. Just anything can happen in this one. Minus 175 for Taffa is just too much juice for me. Um, MCC, I'm going to just take the dog guy that has the heavyweight dog that has the height reach and weight advantage probably um i don't know just the way i see it if i'm gonna break it down like a regular fight even though we all know heavyweight or not regular fights Tafa is one-dimensional he likes to bang and i think jared's more well-rounded let's see if Tafa can wrestle let's see if jared can even implement any wrestling i mean this is heavyweight it could just be a sloppy haymaker fest but i'm gonna lean the dog here give me bandera 155 i'm also leaning dog but i'm gonna take the ko plus 350 line chase a little bit yeah i don't hate that at all i mean if you're gonna do a buy ko it's not the end of the world um i'm gonna follow suit i'm gonna do the dog by ko tko Vandera decision plus 500. Whoa. I don't hate that, actually. Don't hate that. We get Parker on the pod, and all of a sudden he starts really chafing. 
I know. He's just getting his – he's getting all the big dick lines going. All right, co-main event and also pronunciation of the week. Parker, who's fighting Carla Esparza? Mm, this isn't going to be fun. Uh, Yen? Good on that part, yeah? No. Good enough. I mean, it's hard to screw it up, but you did. Jan? Yep. It's going to be a sh sound. It's Shuonan? Yan Janan. Janan? Yan Janan. Not terrible. B minus on that one because you. Yan is the currency. Yan's the fighter. Is this for sure how that works? Yeah, it's Yan for sure. 100%. And Zhao is XIA. Yan Janan versus Carlos Barza. With that being said, I hope some listeners are like, no, he's right. And then they all call in and say, fuck y'all. I would love that. It won't happen. Jan Janan minus 125, Carlos Bars to plus 125. DK, let's get into it, man. Yeah, I've got Jan as a good striker who has great output. Um, she likes to pepper her jab, overwhelm her opponents, um, but she isn't the strongest grappler. I think that Claudia Gadelia put her on her butt a couple times, even though Jan ended up winning that decision. Carla, former champ, is a decent wrestler. Um, I, I, I talk a lot about just take the woman's dog, close your eyes, take the woman's dog. And I'm going to even add another layer to that. Close your eyes, take the woman's dog, take her by decision. If she can make this fight super boring, she can get a win here. Cookie monster plus 165 by decision. It's mm. a good play. I'm also on decision, but I'm going to go with Jan plus 140. Or Jonan. Um, I, I'm taking Jan Jonan minus 125. Main reason behind, I like Danny's right on with the striking output. If Carla can get a takedown, which is her basis, is wrestling, Danny could easily hit that. But and she's got a good coaching camp behind her in that yeah. Marina Rodriguez fight. She was getting picked sure. up, and then her coaches were like, What the hell are you doing? Like, For sure. bread and butter, I, go back. I talked about this, I touched on it briefly on Set the Spread, but. Jan's calling for a potential title shot if she wins here. She really thinks she's that talented. She really thinks she's that good. And she's fighting I, a former title holder. Who am I to tell her she's wrong? Let me ride it at minus 125. Uh, Shaunan, minus 125. She's on a six-fight ripper. Without that being said, <laughs> Parker, you made your pick. He's taking Jan, Xiaonan, Minus 125. And now we're getting into the Bantamweight main event of the evening. The name of the card. Starting at 6 p.m. Not this fight, but the whole card itself. Bob Font. Rob Font. Part of the uh, Boston Cartel against Cody Garbrandt. Cody, no love Garbrandt. Team Alpha Male, Cody, no love Garbrandt. And it's actually Rob Font minus 115. Cody Garbrandt minus 105. Rob yeah, this may be shocking to some listeners. I know Kobe and Reese aren't going to be too shocked, but I just see this as an awesome, awesome matchup for Bob Font. Um, upon Cody's return to the UFC last year, I faded him because I mainly because I thought the skill level of the division had passed him by. Um, and obviously, Rafael Sunsawa was not part of the great new generation. He's more of Cody's generation. Um, Bob Font is that new generation. I know Cody's a former world champ. I know he's a good striker, a lot of power. Uh, the question for him and for me and for all betters has always been his discipline, his head. When he gets emotional, he fights dumb. He forgets his fundamentals. Bob Font is Mr. Fundamentals. Team Alpha Male won't help him with those said fundamentals. Yeah, I think he's doing a um, a split camp this this time, though. I think he's learned his lesson to – yeah, Get away from Team Alpha Male at least a little by little. Um, oh, who's, who's he working with as a striking coach? Doesn't matter. Um, but no, it, I did hear that, though. You're right. I did hear that. I can't remember who it is, though. Um, I can look it up in a second. But Bob Font is Mr. Fundamentals. He's going to put on a master class, drag Cody into a war early, just make him uncomfortable. I'm just taking Bob Font straight up. 
115. Let's do it. New England cartel in the house. Same number as DK for me. And afterwards, the Dunkin' Donuts are on me, New England. Same exact thing. I literally do a T. I thought on set the spread, I was going to be the only one coming in with Bob Font. We might have a Bob Font sweep. So, Parker, are you on uh, Bob Font? Yep. Straight up? Yep. Oh. That's going to do it for us tonight, then. Unless there's any last notes to add, ladies and gentlemen. My friend actually has something to say. It's a poha, <laughs> poha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.